I'm your host, Mr. James, and you are listening to Right in the Schoolies. My next guest is one half of the Dark Natter podcast, a podcast all about dark and gory films. By day, he works as an accountant, but by the cover of Darkness, he is also an author of dark fiction, including Rabbit Hole, his most recent book, which is a dark crime thriller. It's John Richter, everybody. Hello, John. Hello, hello. Pleasure to be appearing. Thanks for having me. Very welcome indeed. So, John, let's get straight down to it. Where did you go to school? When did you go to school? And are there any things that you think we should know about it? So I uh, am from Wigan, as you can probably tell from my voice, uh, or that kind of part of the world. So I went to school in Wigan. Um, I went to Standish High School, which is, um, Standish is like, Standish is like a sort of a part of Wigan, I suppose, that's, that's a reasonably nice bit. So I was quite lucky I went to what's viewed as quite a good high school, I think, or it was then. Um, and prior to that, I went to St. Wilfrid's Primary School, which I'll come back to later because that was kind of interesting because that was like a bit of a religious school, um, which is, you know, makes things a bit different, I suppose. For people who aren't from the Northwest or don't know anything about the Northwest, my dad being from Preston, there's a lot of, there's a very Catholic area, typically speaking. Um, a lot of schools up there you'll find have a, a saint or a holy somewhere knocking around in them, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so yeah, so Wilfrid's was, was like a city, like a Church of England, and it was. Mm. And it, I suppose it's that thing when you're a kid, you don't question your reality as a kid. So you just assume your experience is everyone's experience, and it's the same everywhere in the world because you're a kid and you don't know any different. So I, for ages, just assumed all kids went to schools that also made you go to church. And you had to listen to like the vicar or whatever saying sermons, and then you had to sing hymns in assembly and that and do prayers. And so that to me was just like that's what school was, if you see what I mean. Until I got a bit older and was like, oh right, not everyone did that. That's interesting. Do you remember anything about the uniform you had to wear, or anything about the building itself? So, at, well, like at high school, I remember that the the. the you talk to different people from different generations or different places, there's always like a thing that you do that's like very mildly rebellious with your uniform to be cool. And for whatever reason, at our school, it was tr- what they call tram lines in your tie. I don't know. Did you ever have that when you were at school? I'm afraid you, you've lost And of course, no. afraid uh, is, is kind of a pun because what used to happen was the more cool you were, the more bits of sort of thread you would pull out of your tie. Wow. Till the end of your tie was just a tattered sort of frayed mess and if you did that you'd obviously get in trouble so that would be if you were really cool whereas if you were mildly rebellious you might just do like three or four threads just to show that you weren't a complete nerd whereas if you had a completely clean un- unsullied tie that meant you were some sort of geek that was that was the, the tie-based hierarchy at Standish for some reason so it's based around the idea of uniform being deliberately sort of messed with and and uh tangled with and I guess if you're pulling Pulling bits, uh, well, I've got this image of people wandering around with bits of nylon, like dropping it in the schoolyard, like in The Great Escape. <laughs> and I can't remember how it was accomplished as well. I think maybe the the dumb thing was like you get your compass, you know, your pointy thing for drawing some yeah, of the yeah. maths, and you'd use that to pick a bit of the thread out, and then you'd sort of pull it out, uh-huh. and that was that became a thing at school. And then the only other memory that that's jogged, not that this is uniform related. Well, it sort of is, loosely is. Do you remember Pogs? Oh, Those yes. little round cardboard things that you used to have to, well, they were collectible, but there was a game you could play mm-hmm. where you stacked them up and you had to lob a plastic one at the stack. Yeah. And if you flipped them over, you'd won. And then da, da, da. so there was obviously like the, the 
the uh, what's the word? You get you get all the different sort of stereotypical characters, don't you, at school? And some of them are basically the stereotypical sort of ah, an opportunity to nick stuff and yeah. make some money. So their method was blue tack on the bottom of the shoe, <laughs> stamp on the young kids' pogs, and nick the pogs by running off, or nick a pog, which seemed enterprise exactly young entrepreneurs or whatever <laughs> you won't believe this but pogs are actually popular again no way that is not quite in the same format though no okay. it's um i think that there's there's a variety of things now i think a lot of kids have figured out that they are worth a bit of money if they've got uh you know an old pog collection and also it's becoming a bit of a saying now um to say pog or pog smash oh, um, okay. so, yeah. as like a as a sign of a of endearment and I mean, I, I'm only 33, but I still sometimes listen to these kids and I'm like, oi, get your own culture. <laughs> Stop nicking mine. That was mine in the 90s. It's very, very weird. No, I do remember Pogs. They, they, were, just, they were just phasing out as I started senior school, but Pokemon cards were in. And like a lot of things, you know, it's just one, it's one collectible item after another really, isn't it? Oh, I love all that stuff as well. Like for me, so I'm slightly a few years older than you. So I was like prime pog age, mm. whereas Pokemon I was a bit too old for, but I've got a little brother. So I still played it anyway, vicariously through him. It's quite a good card game. And then we, we had, what was the other stuff we had then? There was a phase when it was Boglins. This was maybe more primary oh, school. Oh yeah. Boglins. Do you remember them little collectible? Dude. Like, plastic rubbery monsters basically mm -hmm. but you could get they were they just um, companies are just great at this aren't they like yeah. an addictive thing so it was like buy a pack with a random boggling for 60p from the news agent but if you're lucky you might get a gold one mm. and then you could probably sell that for 10 quid and it was just this whole economy that emerged again yeah and you, you, we wonder now why there's such a massive plastic problem in the world <laughs> <laughs> it's just boglins clogging up the oceans. I think we could we could definitely blame the nineties throwaway era of, of plastic tat that we used oh, to we used to really covet. So That's much great. Junk. And it, one more, I'm sorry, I've on a no, good, carry on. I started it ranty, I'll shut up in a minute. But it's there's just this was a more obscure one that I can never find anyone who remembers these. And you probably won't because we're not quite the same age. But do you remember there was those books, those like game books where you played them and you rolled the dice and it was a page 72 to slay the dragon choose your own adventure thing. books choose your own adventure books yeah. so the big brand that was them at the time was fighting fantasy it was like steve jackson and livingstone and they released like a spin-off that was cards so it'd be like i don't know my card is a warrior and your card's an orc and we have to fight each other but the way you did a fight was scratch off with a coin so it was like one-time use cards and it'd be like, I'm going to attack your head, scratch the head off what's underneath, which is kind of a, like you say, completely throwaway. <laughs> you could only use them once, then you had to chuck them in the bin. But I always thought that was like quite a cool idea. It is a cool idea. I, I'll confess and say I've never, I was with you with the Choose Your Own Adventure books. So I used to have quite a few of those. Um, uh, some of which involved dice play or other things and others that just didn't. It was very much a, you know, turn to this page to, uh, fend off the goblin and then yes. and, and then then you turn to that page and it's like ah oh, sucker you lost and you're like wait yeah. what this <laughs> it was a yeah it, it took me a long time to realize that not all books were like that i started trying to read uh, a regular novel and going this is crap yeah, i don't so have any no options in it i've this got no not... autonomy here this is rubbish <laughs> I mean, you used to keep your fingers jammed in all the pages so you could oh, cheat. Of course, so yeah, because when it was a library hands. book, yeah, if you were if you were caught folding pages, which I still do now, but I do it because they're my books and I can do what the hell I like, so it's 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 all right. Damn right, damn right. <laughs> were there any bizarre things that you look back on 
assembly wise or little rituals that you had to do at school that you look back when you go no that actually wasn't normal yeah it's it's interesting like I so I remember I so I went to this kind of CV primary school and I think I I remember learning about the concept of atheism when I was Mm. about nine and I think it was probably my dad just telling me just being mischievous just like aha let's mess with him (laughs) so so then once I found out oh right it's conceivably all this stuff we're being taught as fact is actually just one version of belief and there are others available so I decided I was an atheist when I was nine so therefore, I decided to stop praying and stop singing hymns <laughs> as like a protest. So I'd be like sat there, no, I'm not joining in. But I still believed in Santa until I was about 11. <laughs> stop believing in God two years before I stopped believing in Santa. And I had to be told by my parents who were probably getting a bit embarrassed that Santa wasn't real. So you swapped one large beardy deity for another at that point, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I think I picked the sort of less plausible one to cling to, but anyway. But yeah, and then there used to be, there was one particular teacher, so when you were doing your, the hymns and stuff, she was she, she was just really going for it with like a full-blown, like a go-compare style operatic <laughs> delivery. And that was a source of amusement to us oh, at the time. I'm sure. No, I, I have to admit, there are, there are times when I look back, I didn't go to a particularly religious school but it was one of those religious with a small r sort of ones probably yeah. you know, it had it there was a church group attached and as always they seemed to have a huge amount of influence uh, over yes. over everything which we should look back on i think was kind of nefarious but anyway um I, and yeah i do remember some of these hymns even now and just even thinking about them I go, oh god i shudder a tiny bit just with this um like you say that that thing of as a young person you get told this is what it is and this is what it amounts to and it's only a bit like you. My dad once said to me, you know, my dad being raised Catholic, I think had yeah. grown, grown to despise most um, organized religion. And he said to me, you know, there are other religions out there if you're if you're ever interested. I was like, really? Yeah, well, that's that's good. Um, see, because I think, and I don't want to go too sort of controversial a topic. No, Apologies right. if I am, but it's. I just think. See, it's fine to teach your kids what you believe and say I believe hey kid I believe this so you may or may not wish to believe it too Mm. but you know this whole thing of like oh well I was brought up x whether it's catholic whatever whatever it is Mm. I was brought brought up that way therefore that's what I believe I've never really understood that doesn't make any sense to me that because it's like well yeah but you got to a point when you realized it wasn't necessarily true and at that point you could make a decision but a lot of people just can't be bothered for different reasons people choose not to veer away from the path they've been set on and there might be other reasons but it it, it just seems a bit counterintuitive to me i guess know? it's comforting right i mean for yeah it, it, i guess it's a bit like how my dad also said to me you know we, we talked about religion generally and, and he and he said you know there are other religions available if you want because I was, I was curious and i went uh and i sort of looked you know, I'd seen these. There's a Gudwara down in Southampton, where I'm from. I remember seeing these these Sikh dudes, and I thought these guys look cool. Ace, they ca- yeah. They're carrying swords. That's yeah, awesome. You know, yeah. And and I remember my dad going, "I don't really know if 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 that's for you, son, but you know, if you, you can research it, you can research the five Ks, all this." And then I saw um again, there's there's a, a synagogue not too far from there as well. I remember seeing a couple of the Hasidic Jew guys, and I was thinking these guys look pretty cool too. They look very different. Yeah. And actually, the more I researched Judaism, the more I thought that's that's actually pretty 
there's a lot of stuff about this I kind of like, and I liked the fact that you had this, you know, in order to read something, you had to go the other way, and you had to use this little, I was like, oh, that's all that's really cool. And then my dad sat me down, I went, yeah. Now, before you go any further, um, I need to talk to you about this thing called circumcision. <laughs> you might want to just know that there's an entry fee. Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> I, I sort of went, well, what's that? And he, he explained, and I was like, so uh yeah i think i think i'm going to be agnostic from this point on dad if that's okay <laughs> with you i guess i think it's that though it's like not many people or some people were not lucky enough like we clearly were to have relatively open-minded parents who just sort of told you like there's different options so i just think mm. i don't know i think if you if you're going to account so religious education at school is important because it's it's a big part of life and culture and society but i think it, i think kids should be taught here are the different beliefs and options I'm not a big fan of religious schools that teach you one as if it's fact. I think that's a bit like lying to little kids. It's funny, as I do more and more interviews, I, I'm I'm starting to see a real correlation. And again, this is going to be part of the challenge is that maybe I need to open up and, and, and speak to some people that, that will challenge me on that view and yeah, give me a reason as to why true. they think, because... Yeah, I must say, I'm I'm very much in the camp of this guy uh, when it comes uh, to teaching kids religion. Sorry, this is a purely audio podcast. Um, that was Hitchens there, but 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 going going back to that idea of of people sort of indoctrinating children with stuff. Obviously, it, it can go both ways. I think my dad also said, "Listen, there's there's another thing to bear in mind, and that is that I don't really care if you are gay. I don't care who you vote for. Um, however, if you ever come home and tell me that you want to support." Blackpool you'll be out on the you'll be out on the street son it's funny isn't it we talk about indoctrinating children well I think I think the whole football uh, football team is, the same. is it's exactly the same arguably worse here's the thing that's just popped into me this is a controversial topic for a Wiganer and a Prestoner to talk about sure. is, so you know Wallace and Gromit yes Nick Park in in one of the films, there's a thing where it's so obviously that's Ardman Studios or whatever it's called. It's yeah. based in Preston. He's from Preston, so I think ostensibly you could believe you could assume Wallace and Gromit are from Preston, and that's where they live. And in one of the films, there's a newspaper where the he's, you know he's sat on his couch talking about cheese, and on the back page it's just like a little Easter egg or whatever you'd call it, and it's it's like oh Preston nine Blackpool nil. So yes. it's obviously like a Preston thing. I remember that. It's, I can't remember which film it is, but canonically because of something that was said in this in the series that they did for a bit which wasn't very good this is like based on my research into into wallace <laughs> and his origin and his backstory apparently wallace is lives in wigan and he's a wiganer i've i've heard that as well and there's um oh what was it i think even nick Park said in an interview some time ago i something about how he wanted Wallace to be from Wigan because of the way he, I think something to do with the the flat cap he wears and things like that. There was something very distinctly derogatory about Wallace as a character. he was trying to say, which is probably accurate and and true. But to be fair, I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen Wallace go and order a Wigan kebab. So maybe it's uh, (laughs) with extra Wensleydale. Or a pie bun, just a pie sandwich between two layers of bread. (laughs) One day, one day. I've I've never, I've I've never, um, never set foot on Wigan Pier, but I think there'll come a point when I'd love to try one of those, just just to see if I can survive. (laughs) Very welcome. You'd be very welcome. (laughs) So, let's talk a bit about subjects, because obviously, given given your day job, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that you've got a bit of a head for figures, but. Equally, were there any subjects that you really looked forward to and ones that you really dreaded? And while we're on it, any reason why? Um, so, so I suppose I am lucky that... I, so you know that stereotype, that sort of cliche of like, oh, you're either a numbers person or a 
words person. So I don't suffer from that. I can do both, which is lucky for me. So my experience of primary school was I was like that annoying, clever kid in the class. So like the one that the, most of the teachers therefore liked because I could do the work quickly and correctly. And they were, oh, they were pat on your head. Well done. That probably made them feel good because it made them feel like they were teaching well and, you know, nice circle of, and then of course you get bullied in the playground as a result. And that's the, the, the journey that some of us went on through, through school. Um, so, but yeah, I think it was, it was, so I used to like, I used to like, school because I got told I was doing well by the teachers and then they would tell my parents good things at parents even that would make my parents say good things it was like a sort of nice Uh circle of whatever you'd call that rewarding whatever but at primary school it's it's very like write a story oh well done you've written a good story good Uh and that's where I I started writing that you know I always wanted to be a writer since I was very young could you start writing dark fiction in primary school I can imagine (laughs) they they get an educational psychologist in to go we're really worried about what he's written here actually he's I so that definitely that is what happened it was and I think it's just because because I was a bit precocious or whatever so I started reading more grown-up books at a young age so like I read Lord of the Rings when I was about nine and all that kind of stuff so it was like right every story now at primary school is going to be about orcs getting their heads split open and you know (laughs) dead people and blood and guts and it used to be like a game I was playing like how can I make this innocuous topic horrible so the teacher would be like oh write a story about a day out at the beach and I was like right alien invasion on the beach kill all the (laughs) kill all the tourists with lasers a bunch of xenomorphs doing their suntan lotion just exactly exactly so it was so i think they were yeah some of the praise was a bit like oh good you've written a good thing there it's a bit horrible um do you have to always put blood and guts in it but equally i suppose they weren't too they did i didn't get told off for writing Mm. dark stories that's good so then you get into high school and then suddenly there's it's not just learning to count and learning to write and learning to read then it's suddenly you know history and science and da, 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 da. and i don't know some yeah at that point that's where i first remember having some subjects that i was just a bit like meh about mm. like geography just not interested at it was dead boring i didn't i don't even feel like we were taught the so that what's the one useful one of the useful parts of geography is where is stuff like mm. where countries are but we didn't do any of that. It was all like, how is an oxbow lake formed? And do you know what I mean? I just think, yeah. Oh man, I, I've got so many friends who are geography teachers who, oh, no. who, no, 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 but <laughs> who, who moan and understandably moan about the fact that the curriculum doesn't cover those basic things. And because it, it becomes a bit of a piss taking thing where kids don't know where stuff is. Yeah. And and you go, God, what do you learn in geography? And they go, well, mostly we learn about Oxbow Lakes and um, <laughs> the average fall of the Amazon Basin, sir. And you think, <laughs> but you don't know, but you don't know that. Uh, I remember once some, some girl, bless her, in my class, something along the lines. I said, right, you know, I don't want you to quickly name a country. I'm not a geography teacher, but we're doing like a quick word game. I said, right, name a name a capital city that begins with a and uh and and then you know she's sort of looking around doesn't really know what to say and someone goes to her why don't you say why don't you say australia and she goes yeah australia and i went no no capital city and, and she went um uh wait what australia is a capital city so no it's not no like oh. you, you and, and then she went yeah it is you have to fly there <laughs> it was quite like logic and the thing is of course i can't um laugh too much of that because my I was the same when I was young like pathetic knowledge of, of where stuff was and even now I've, I mean I know like there's no excuse I can just learn it but it, it's just not 
so sometimes people will make comments about certain countries or parts of the world and I'm like cringing internally. Thinking, I don't really know where that is. I've never bothered to look. Oh, I'll just wing it through this conversation. So yeah, geography maybe was my, my least favourite. And how about your favourite? Which was the one that you really looked forward to? It, so it was definitely English, but more the creative side rather than mm. the English literature side. So I think when it was like, read someone else's stuff and then discuss it, that was a bit hit and miss because you mm. might like the stuff and some of it was good or you might not like it and it just gets a bit like, oh, this is a bit boring. Mm. Whereas English, like I've always enjoyed writing creatively, so that was really good. Um, well, history was good because we had a dead good teacher but I think, um, I didn't know if you were going to come on to like favourite teachers. Oh, later, but... we, we can talk about them anytime. Who was your history teacher? So, so a bloke called Mr. Wilson, who we had in, I think it was year 10 and year 11. He was just like a, like a charismatic maniac. <laughs> so he, he used to like, it was like teetering on the brink of, you're not really supposed to do this. So he would like, he'd be talking and then he'd kind of smash the board with his hand to really reinforce a point. And then he'd yell out something, re- either in real enthusiasm or just anger because someone was talking and interrupting him. And he would, when he was giving out the books, he would just launch them across the room, often hit you with them, which is probably illegal in the 90s, but he did it anyway. There was definitely some chalk throwing instances, but it was somehow, it was like, it's kind of really hard to explain. He was never actually ever angry. No. It was all a bit of an act that was kind of meant to be a bit funny. So there was even, even when he was, you know, telling someone off for talking and interrupting him. Even that was, there was an element of like, it's all a game. And I remember the the head of history at the time came into the room for some reason, you know, interrupted his lesson. And (laughs) Mr. Wilson was giving it this like, hello, sir. Yes, sir. Of course, sir. And then as other teacher left the room, Mr. Wilson just gave us all this look of like... As if, he basically, as if it's like, knob. It was just well, well funny. So, yeah, he was my favourite teacher. And and because of he was so engaging, you know, delivering all that stuff, it meant, even though I wasn't that into history at the time, it, it made you look forward to his lessons, you know? Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I I feel robbed when it comes to history because <laughs> it's it's something, it's a subject that I'm really interested in now. I mean, I, my, my yeah. wife, my wife is a historian, um, you know, and, and, and I've always felt really jealous because I'd love to have become more adept at it, but I just had this, I had this quite rubbish teacher throughout my lower school and I didn't take it as an option. And yeah. I remember I, I look back on it now and I go, Oh, bloody hell. I should have, I should have done that because I'd have been really interested, but yeah, it's like anything like you say, a creative maniac is, uh, I think history lends That's itself brilliant. to that, uh, as does English, but definitely uh, most of the history teachers I know are all a bit bonkers and in a good way. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's like you say, that's the testament to it, isn't it? Is I chose it as an option, even mm. though it probably wasn't my favourite subject. Because then I was like, oh, I hope I get Mr. Wilson, which was stupid because it could have backfired horribly and I could have not got him as a teacher, but I did. So I was quite lucky. Um, so let's let's talk about some of the teachers that maybe you didn't have a particularly great relationship with. Did you have any, uh, so, sometimes in school, people remember teachers by their nicknames or that they had a certain reputation or there were teachers who had like a, a bit of a strange uh, behavioural tick that you used to try and wind up and zone in on. Were there any sort of teachers like that? The, the, only, the only one that springs to mind, I, I, I won't name him, just, you know. Oh, go know, on. He might come and hug me down or something. So, so, so this particular, this particular bloke. I like that you're he, still scared of him all these years later. I, honestly, <laughs> it, that's, I'm not even going to lie. I am. It's true. He, he's, he was, he was a frightening fella. So he, so you know, I mentioned that I was kind of like, sort of swatty kind of 
mm. clever kid at school. So I used to get a lot of the other kids in various classes would come to me. Basically, it was like, oh, we didn't understand that. Can you explain it? Mm. <laughs> and, and I think usually that was perceived as beneficial by the teachers and they didn't really mind. But this bloke did mind it because I think he felt I was, you know, some arrogant, egotistical, uh, you know, who needed to be taken down a peg or two and I was kind of undermining his authority or whatever. So he just used, he clearly just hated me guts and it was just a constant like, no, you've misunderstood. I'm, 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 I'm one of the well-behaved nerdy ones. You, you're focusing on the wrong person here. But it just didn't, our relationship did not go on the right footing. And I remember getting like a big sort of dressing down from him once after a like, kept me behind to give me a real bollocking, you know, right in my face and it was all spittle flying and it was oh, wow. just a bit weird it was just like I don't understand why you hate me so much but okay I'll have to cope with it never mind and then I remember being PE once because he was one of these like maths slash PE teachers which oh, right. is a thing because maybe there's a gender thing there that like bloke teachers sometimes gravitate to maths or they used to I, I think I mean it, it does vary of course but sometimes sometimes of course people do teach two subjects or they've maybe been given a bit of maths because there's not quite enough PE on the timetable that that does still happen now but it definitely happened a lot more back in the day you'd have people that would do a bit of both and he um so he he was teaching I don't know we're playing football or whatever and I was crap at football and we're sort of on the tennis courts it wasn't the field it was like the tennis courts Mm. were the last and most and there was this like bad lad in our class called Dan Daniel and he just and I think he used to hate um this guy as well so he just like it was like a free kick. So he'd been awarded a free kick. Teacher turns away. And he just deliberately completely turned around and just booted the ball at him, to, you know, hit him right in the head. And then he was giving it, oh, sorry, sir, oh, it was an accident. <laughs> Obviously wasn't. You know, and you just sat there going, yes, yes, got him. <laughs> yeah, it's especially nice when you're not the one in the firing line when you get some type of revenge on the teacher, I think. Yeah, correct. He couldn't blame me for that one. Although yeah, it, it would have been quite funny if he had. I, I, I think uh, that idea, that, that <laughs> idea of somebody always being the one who gets in trouble, and it, I've, I've had it both sides. Now I had it a bit when I was at school, but definitely now I'm on the other side of the fence. There are times. There's there's one kid I teach right now, who, bless him, he's just not very ta- he's not very talented at hiding when he's doing something wrong. He's like one of the ba- he, he he's a bit like one of the Bash Street kids, you know, like from the Beano. He's just got that sort of slightly. <laughs> you'll catch it like a scabby yeah, yeah. he sort of, kind of and, and he's, he's quite he's quite a nice kid he just doesn't realize that i'm not a complete moron and i've spotted him doing something he shouldn't be doing when you catch him you go oi and he goes <gasps> and he sort of drops everything <laughs> and you feel like going no 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 look you're doing that all wrong you, you need to be a bit more subtle and then maybe i wouldn't spot you and oh jeez give him give him some coaching yeah tips, well you know, to be more effective in his naughtiness it's the toughest thing because children are children. They're going to misbehave. They're going to do things that they think are better for them in, in the in the short run. And every now and again, you've got to laugh at it. Like, I, and the problem, I think, I bet it's, I bet you see some really funny stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I've never been in a teaching type role, but it must be really. Well, funny one of the things, and I, I'll, I'll tell you this because it's, I'm getting, I'm getting increasingly worried that on this part, I'm occasionally telling too many stories but this is one I definitely haven't told I had a student teacher with me once so I was a few years into my career and I had a student teacher observing me with the class and at the end of the class this is what you do you sort of build up to them taking a bit of the lesson and then a bit more of the lesson eventually they take the whole lesson but I'm I'm observing and had this really tough year nine class who were who were quite bad you know quite mouthy and I just about got them where I wanted them and then I got told I had a student teacher I thought oh great and 
she 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 was amazing. She's really good, you know, naturally had far better control of them than I ever did. And she's she's got them eaten out of her hand and it's really going really well. And because of this, I'm sort of sat at the back making my notes, but also thinking about what I'm gonna have for, for lunch, you know. I'm not really paying much attention. And I I just sort of gave her I gave her like a little nod just to say I'm, I'll be right back because I nipped out grabbed myself a couple of extra bits I needed for my next lesson came back in sat down and my water bottle which was sat on this back desk I had a couple of kids near it my water bottle was there and I went to drink from it and I thought oh blimey I've missed my mouth how embarrassing thankfully no kids have seen it because I've sat at the back of the class and I go to drink from it again and I get this I get a couple of eye full of water I'm going what what's going on and I look down and it's one of those sports cap ones. And round the edges of the top of the bottle, some bugger's taken a compass to it, and has done about two or three, two yeah. or three dots around the edge. And so, obviously, when you go to drink from it, you get this sort of sprinkler effect. That's what I was going to say. Well, it got that. it got even better because, of course, you can imagine I'm absolutely raging at this point. And it, it, the, 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 oh, the bell goes, funny. and I go, "Thank you very much, Miss. Thank you very much." And I turn around to the class, and I go, "Nobody move." And it's like <laughs> it's it's just about to be lunchtime as well. <laughs> And I'm going on this real, you know, how dare you? I, uh, you know, I'm, 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 going, I'm going full Denzel Washington, you know, King Kong ain't got on me. You know, I'm getting really, really angry and animated. And I said, and then I did that thing, which I said I'd never do, which was like, no one leaves until I find out who did this. And of course, kids. Someone has to step forward and confess. The irony was, I thought, oh, I'm onto a loser here. No one's going to say anything. And then. As I say, right, well, I have to let you go to lunch, but this isn't over. This isn't over. And of course, the kids get up. And as they start leaving, this one lad, David, who, one of the nicest kids in the class, just comes up to oh. me and he's absolutely shaking. And he's gen- and he goes, So it was me. I was like, I was so wrong footed by this. And I went, What? Yeah. And he went, I didn't realize it was your water bottle. I thought it was Luke's. Luke's one of his mates. Brilliant. So he Brilliant. said, I just did it. And then when I saw it, so I imagine, has he saw me doing this? <laughs> He's seen me and oh, he must have just been you. absolutely just like shrinking into his seat. And to be fair, I, I, I just said to him, David, as far as I'm concerned, this matter is dropped. What have we learned? Don't do that to other people's stuff. All right. I respect you for coming forward. And we left it. I, I, yeah, that's good. That's a good I, outcome. I have, I have to admit, but, you know, it's what you, what you were saying about the blame game in a classroom, you know, there's always one kid you think it is. And I had this one kid I was eyeballing the whole time as I was giving this speech, thinking, oh, it's definitely you, definitely you. And then it's not at all, looking the wrong way. I, I thought the twist was going to be that the substitute teacher lady it, did it. That, that, would have been, that would have been the only thing that would have made it better. If, if actually, w- w- once I was out, she just went, right, everybody, just hold on. And then... She's like, yeah, watch this, I'm going to wind you up. It turns out she's just a monster. She's just trying to mess with me. Yeah, <laughs> So speaking of which, uh, are there any times that you got into trouble or were part of people that got into trouble? And if so, was it was it justified? I was a pretty nerdy kid who didn't like to be naughty. So, you know, on the, the old tie tram yeah. lines thing, like I would only add like about two, you know what I mean? But then I think as, towards the end of secondary school, I got a bit sort of disillusioned mm-hmm. really and just generally just stopped bothering and just got lazy and lethargic. And I did get into a thing of, forging my parents' sig- my mum's signature in me. You know, you've got a thing called yeah, a planner. Yeah. I don't know if you still have them or not. So it's like every week you're supposed to make all your notes in it and remind us to yourself and you never bother. You just draw pictures and tip It's one of the most stuff. archaic things. I don't know why we still do it. It, it. it bothers me that we have to waste time talking about it. And, and you know, it's, it's, even in a school, you feel like going, look, we've never had better access to the internet where we can quite yeah. quickly get word from home 
but we're relying on a signature and a planner. Oh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, re- so, so exactly that. And of course, it's completely open to abuse because yeah. if you've got, if your parents are not that switched on to the old process because, you know, they've got marital problems or whatever, whatever was the case. So it, you just kind of left your own devices. So it's like, all right, I've got some bad notes today because I was chatting or didn't, you know, do my own work. So, well, obviously I'm not going to go, oh, mum, can you sign it? Oh yeah, I did all these five things wrong. You just, you're just going to sign it you just gonna mm. forge it, aren't you? Basically, and then what? The first time you do that and get away with it, you're like, "Oh my yeah. god, right, sorted." I'm just gonna be forging for the rest of the year, and then I think it got a bit out of hand with the forging things, and I think I forged a note to get me out of a school mm. trip, and it was that same maths teacher that I was on about before. He sort of confronted me about it out in like you know, like not the plate like between mm. lessons. It's like walking around. He's like. I know you forged that note. I know you wrote that and your parents didn't write it. But he but he sort of didn't do anything. It was like he just wanted me to know that he knew, but he didn't act upon it. And I didn't go on the trip and the note still uh. worked. But he but it's just like he wanted me to know that he, he was on to me, kind of thing, which is a bit which is a bit scary. When when students have forged notes and it's really obvious, that's one thing. But I did once have a student, bless him, not the brightest spark. And I could tell. <laughs> When I said, right, get your planners out, and I saw him go, and and you know, he, you could see he he his face gave it away, you know, not 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 a poker player. And I'm <laughs> I'm going around the classroom and I'm looking looking around, you know, and I I I do it with the spirit that it's intended, like thank you, thank you, thank you. And if I see someone who's not got it, I'll often say, get it done by tomorrow, please. Okay, because then yes. I have to act yeah. on it if it's not been done at all, you know, and and all that. Yeah, so you give them a yellow card kind of I situation. Say, yeah, a bit yeah. of me is like, look, it's Monday morning. I, you know, I get it. I, 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 I sometimes almost like want to go. Look, if someone had asked me to do something like that every single week, I might occasionally forget. So anyway, I just but as I get around to this kid, I can I can see that he's been sort of doing some sort of scribbly thing, but I can't really tell because they're also supposed to get on with a bit of homework while we're waiting in for warm time. And yes. it was then as I turned and looked, and he 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 put his pen down, and he goes, "Um, here's mine, sir." And I'm looking, I, I, I'm looking at it, and and I went, "Okay." And I just like put my finger on the on the ink, which is completely wet. And I said, "So there's one that there's, there's there's a couple of things wrong here. The first is that the ink is still wet, so I I, I don't I don't totally buy that this has been done." Uh, previously to just now. Secondly, I said, you are aware that you've written your own name there. And he looked down and went, oh, no. <laughs> so he signed it as himself. <laughs> oh, That's dear. Really and, and, oh, mum, she must I, have I just, I just felt so sorry for him. I was like, all right, stay around at the end, please. And we just had a question. I was like, look, I said, it's one thing to not get it done, but don't don't try it. I said, you're, not, you're no good at this forgery thing. You know, you're going you're gonna to be spending your lifetime behind bars at this rate. Don't do not do that. You're not you're not DiCaprio. No, no, you're, you, are, you, can, you're, you're a lot of things, son, but you're not DiCaprio. That, that should be a real put down, I think. <laughs> Were you involved in any extracurricular activities at school or was there not much in the way of provision? Um, I think there probably was a reasonable amount and I just didn't engage with it because of the aforementioned laziness and disillusionment. <laughs> so I, the only, the only thing I can remember, and this wasn't like a school sanctioned thing was like, well, I suppose it was sanctioned by the school, but they probably didn't really realize what it con- contained. There was like a, the old, you know, one of the prefects or whatever. So when I was in year nine or the year 11, they arranged a mortal combat tournament with like, it was like a charity. So they were raising money for charity, I think ostensibly, mm. but then there was a prize. And I remember like entering that and, you know, playing the percentages. It was like, well, I'm, 
I could play as my favourite character, so I could be, you know, like Baraka or Reptile, but no, I'll go Liu Kang because he's the he's the best character of the movie. I got yeah. quite far in the tournament, you know, knocked out a couple of older boys, but then ultimately got my, you know, got my spine ripped out of everything <laughs> in that game. And so it's just this idea that the teachers probably thought, oh, what a lovely idea, a video games tournament for charity. Lovely stuff. In, in reality, it was kids, you know, chopping each other's arms off. I, I, I'm glad that you specified it was on a video games console because I thought for a second it was going to be some sort of death match organised in the, in the school canteen <laughs> with a kid, a kid, some kids with harpoons, one with a basket on his head and <laughs> Like a scene from Battle Royale. Now that that I could get behind, I think that's one way of um, well, that's one way of dealing with the lunch queue. I think just let the kids have a have a have a good old royal rumble. <laughs> oh, amazing! amazing now um, we're sort of getting towards the end here, but uh, looking back, given what you've achieved so far and where you are in your life generally, do you think that if you were to sort of look back, you'd, you'd have thought that you'd have been here or do you think you, you, when you were younger, you had a totally different plan and different vision for what your life would look like? I, so I think I was, so I had absolutely no plan and didn't make any, made a, a series of really bad decisions in my sort of teenage, particularly my kind of late teen. So I dropped out of college, didn't finish my A-levels, borrowed loads of money. I was in about 25 grand's worth of debt before I was 20 and I hadn't even got much to show for it. I had like, you know, like a crap car and a telly hmm. or something. And so, and so I didn't go to university. I got a job in an accounts office. It's like the office junior on three pound an hour because I needed hmm. a job. So just a series of blunders. But, and then I ended up, that's how I ended up studying accountancy because I basically needed mm. more money. So I thought, oh, well, if I get, if I get these qualifications, I'll get promoted. And then, and that'll kind of yeah. work. So before I knew it, I'd spent 10 years in my twenties being an accountant and quite well mm. paid compared to me sort of friends. And then I got to 30 and it was like, well, actually, if you want to do this writing thing, you need to actually like mm. do it. And that hence started writing some books and had some success, limited success, which is great. Um, hopefully more to come. Um, so I th- overall, where I've ended up is in a reasonably good place. I've got quite a well-paid job day in the, the day, and I've got a thing I do on the side that I enjoy doing, which is the books and the podcasting. So, and, uh, you know, I live in a nice flat with the lovely missus, so I'm dead happy. So in some ways, it's like you look back and you think, oh, well, you did, that's all right then. You just, you did everything right. But equally, I have this sense of, like, I've, I feel like I would have enjoyed I should have gone to university and I would have enjoyed that kind of environment and meeting some other new people and learning stuff. So, so sometimes I think if I was going to go, you know, looking back, I would tell my younger self to go to uni and not drop out and be less lazy and sort of pull yourself together. And other times I'm like, ah, well, this happened now. Mm. It's ended up okay. So meh, if, if that makes sense. It does. Sense. I think we all have these sliding doors moments where we wonder what would have happened here yeah. and what might have happened there. And occasionally it pays it pays to not think about it too much because you could you could get quite depressed about things that you feel you've missed. And other times I think, God, that was bloody lucky. You know, I, I do I do exactly. I do look at little crossroads of my life where I thought, well, I, I, I stuck and I, I stuck there when I should really have twisted and vice versa. But but because that happened, I arrived at this point of my life at the right time. And, you know, again, I, I you you can't do a cost benefit analysis on your on your life i don't think but you can at least uh, think correct. about ideas I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that that was how you got into accountancy because i won't lie most of the accountants i know were sort of shall i say dyed in the wool um 
mathematician types who very much uh, had that maybe not as the dream i don't know if i don't know if young children walk around dreaming of being an accountant as such but i think i think a lot of them i think there is a thing where it's perceived as a in in certain i don't know certain demographics mm. maybe of ages or, or or even maybe culturally in some it's perceived as like a good job so people who end up being accountants they're doing it because their parents have told them it's a good job and that's what you should do and then they sort of go oh, yes okay dad or mom so that they just did, whereas that wasn't the case at all with me it was just i'm working for a company and the lowest person on the ladder of hierarchy mm. and i need some money so i'd better get promoted which means i need to do this qualification if, if that it was kind of logical but also a bit of a daft way to get into something That's and again this is it you know you think about how we we often we most people work to live right we we don't don't always live to yeah. work and the the job versus vocation or versus career i think that it's a real sharpener when people need to get paid you know and there's a sense of well i'm not yeah. gonna i'm not, I'm not gonna fanny around here I need, I need the job in order to pay pay my bills pay off my debt whatever they might be and i do think that unfortunately i'm i'm of the generation where when people went to university we we graduated into a massive, massive recession, which sudden, suddenly yeah. meant three years of university, in my case, studying English literature. I was walking into a job market that was going, you know, you, you, you yeah. can you can do one, son. There's nothing out here for you. And it did feel like a real con. And I had friends that went into various things straight from college or they maybe did a sort of uh, distance learning or things like that. And it, yeah. it is it's funny what you said as well, because I do feel that the more, the more of these interviews I do, the more I hear that that brilliant thing where a lot of boys say, I didn't really have a plan. I just waited to see what would happen. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, a lot, <laughs> lot of, lot of women I've interviewed have said, no, that was what I wanted to do. And I, I was very, very, oh, I was very, very keen on that. That was what I wanted to do. And I do, I do, I do wonder why that, why that is. There's a thing about it. And so this is like, I'm not suggesting I have any, I can, oh, I'm blaming other people for my own sort of bad decisions. I, I mean, I am about to, but that, that's not, I take, um, I take almost entire responsibility for my series of crap decisions and I've got away with it and got a nice life now. So it's all fine. There is a thing I think about the, so I went to like a quote unquote reasonably good state school. Yeah, so I suppose I would be in the bracket of like a sort of bright, you know, precocious kind of kid. And I don't think I was, I don't think I was given a lot of tailored support for that. And as a result, I just got really bored and disillusioned and stopped trying. And that, so I do think there's a piece there for the education system to, to do a bit more when, if you've got a child that's getting the top marks in every subject, like do some, do some, mm. don't just sort of leave them to sort of fester and get fed up. So, and, and I'm not sort of bitter about that mm. at all because it, it's all turned out okay and school was all right, but it, just feels like there's I don't yeah there's a lot of focus on bringing up the standard of the kids that are struggling which is great but it's sometimes on my experience was that it didn't feel like there was a lot for the kids that were perhaps excelling and you just sort of and this is away. the conversation that I want to have with people because the concepts of a truly comprehensive uh, education yeah. it, it's it's a lovely idea the question is really it's it's not the main question in this podcast but it is does it work and i've interviewed people now from uh grammar schools private schools state schools um 
state schools in different countries and their sort of varying approaches to education. Mm. And what I do find really interesting, uh, as as someone who went to a state school myself, is because I wasn't one of the top uh, academic achievers, n- not by a long shot. I, I had my favourite subjects and I had the ones I was dire at, uh, and and I was very very keen to uh, not work at all in the ones I didn't want to do, but. Yeah. There's always that that background of nature versus nurture. If you're naturally quite bright, are you looked after enough? Or in the case of someone like my wife, a bit like yourself, a bit of a polymath, um, able to do all of the figures and maths, but also loved history, loved English. And she went to a really crap school and felt like yeah. she was almost neglected because of it, because she because she yeah. wasn't causing trouble, because there wasn't like a, a worry about her, her attainment. So I think what you said is really interesting. And this is part of it. It's a, I'm trying to get a, Oh God, it would sound really pretentious and it's not meant like this, but I'm trying to get a real sense of the sort of fabric of what people went through at different parts of their life. And, you know, not just in the UK, but I guess being from here, we know the system and we know it's not fair. No, fantastic. And doesn't sound pretentious at all. I think that's a really good thing to do. And it's it's difficult to talk about Mm. because, and I probably have already failed in this, if you start talking about the idea of sort of being bright... Mm. You, you immediately come across as like a egomaniacal, pompous git. So it's quite so you don't talk about it because you don't want to come across it that way. So it's quite difficult. It doesn't. It's almost weirdly like a taboo subject. This idea that you might have some kids who are brighter than yeah, other kids. I do actually have a. a I mean, I, I've got quite a strong opinion on this subject, and I do feel that in this country, by and large, we have a bit of a problem with anti-intellectualism. I think that we are we yeah. are quite. I mean, I remember my dad. Drop, dropping out of not not dropping out of school, but basically dropping out of education once he once he reached school leaving age, and he from, being from a council estate in Preston, he remembers, you know, you didn't you didn't go to university or anything like that, so he went and started working as a mechanic. But he would go down to the local library and he'd read and he'd find books and he'd read, and eventually he ended up retraining as a social worker. And like he he's always this, I, I think of that as an idea, and I go, well, I know that I would never have had that resilience as a character I don't think I would anyway I think I ended up where I am because my mum's a teacher I went to an an okay state school and I had a a decent education and I was interested in the idea of teaching you know if I feel that there's been very little resistance for me which is why I feel like such a fraud having conversations with people that have had to (laughs) no but with with people who've had to overcome different odds and look at how they're going to do things differently so I, I do think that we've got a problem in this country with people who are like you say naturally bright but maybe because they don't quite sound right or they're not quite from the right school darling i i really hate that and i think that it's a problem yeah and, and there's a there's a there's a generational thing that i, I sort of would, would observe mm. as well which is so so i'm a member of mensa right, right which is the, yeah. the high iq thing and that's because when i was a teenager i had my, i was really lucky remember i said i got my first job as like an mm. office junior my boss was a, this really small old bloke and he was very like oh, i'm going to take you under my wing and he was quite mm. posh and he was like oh you, you you ought to do the mensa exam so i went and did it and got the you know iq of x and it's like oh you're you're allowed in so you just join the society mm. and uh, so if you tell older people if you mentioned mensa they'll say oh wow that's really impressive if you mention it to people more kind of you know late 30s early 40s like my age 30 people get a bit like Pfft. Ass, well, you know, high IQ, that's a bit pretentious, isn't it? Bugger off. And if you mention it to younger people in the 20s or below, they'll say, what's Mensa? I've never heard of it. And, it, and it's just becoming this really like aging kind of 
people, I don't think this is unfair to say, it feels like an old society that's primarily for older people and lots of them, you get the magazine and a lot of it's like, oh, you remember life in the 70s? And <laughs> there's, well, what's, what's my point? I suppose my point is that being intelligent is has become this like, it is a bit of a taboo subject and it's almost like it, you, you didn't speak mm. about it because you might offend people and, and younger people are almost not, they're not aspiring. That's not an aspiration. Their aspiration is to sort of get things and get fame or get money. And yeah, I don't know if that no, makes no, any it sense. It makes makes a lot of sense actually, because what you're talking about there is the measurement of quote unquote intelligence and the intelligence quota. You know, of of what we would typically say. Oh, you have an IQ and uh, of of this, and therefore you are clever. And I can understand, although I I think it's intellectually weak. And it's flawed as well because it doesn't measure emotional intelligence. There's all sorts of other things that IQ is. So IQ, I'm not suggesting that IQ no, is course necessarily not. a good measure, but it's 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 almost like it's becoming a bit taboo to measure capability. In Maybe any way. that's part of it, and this is, I think, as well where we're in a really strange place educationally right now with COVID because we're at a point now where we can't just do we can't do exams in the same way we still don't know i mean i won't get on my soapbox here but it's what february half term we still have no knowledge of what we're going to be doing this summer with our exam classes we don't know if they'll be sitting some sort of exam a mock style exam if they won't be sitting exams at all it's really unfair on the kids it's unfair on us but but it also brings into light this question of well how brittle is our education system if the minute that we take away that yes. goalpost at the end, we don't know what to do. Has all that knowledge been learned for nothing? It's the old tree in a forest analogy. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I do yeah. think what you're saying is true, though. We are becoming probably, it's probably coming from a good place, but it does have a detrimental effect to say, let's not measure things because then we can't hurt anyone's feelings. And again, I find that I find that problematic because I, I do I say to my students, listen, this current exam you're doing, 100% exam, there's no coursework. You're having to remember 15 poems from an anthology by, by heart. You're having to do, I said, this, this doesn't, I said, I know this wouldn't have lent itself to my skill set, not at all. Yeah. I said, I, I wouldn't be getting a nine, which is the very, very top grade. I said, I, I'm really open. I said, yes. I don't think I'd have got a nine on this when I was 16. In fact, I'll go one further and say, even as a graduate of English literature and an English teacher who teaches this thing day in, day out, I think. I, I know what I would like to write, whether or not it would get a nine, that's that's that would be down to an examiner. And I know some people would go, Well, that's awful. Why are you teaching it? You go, Well, no, because it's about the passion for the subject that then that then yeah, leads absolutely. it forward. But yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's it's really hard. And I, I guess I guess that um you mentioned about the sort of generational difference. The fact is people of my uh, my age, you know, we're, I'm, I'm probably a little bit younger than yourself, but still much older than my students. You know, I know what Mensa is, I know what an IQ test is, but I've never taken one. Uh, and, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think it, there'll it, ever be a time when I'm supposed to. I think it's a, I think it's almost like a dying, and maybe it is just a dying concept that's had its day, but it's then what does something come in? I guess what am I saying? I guess I'm saying it feels like there needs to be a mechanism to identify and support the more bright, mm. precocious, capable kids. And that should be possible even while at the same time identifying and supporting those who need more help. Uh, I, I think what's what's good about all of this and, you know, I've, I've, you have conversations with different people of, of different walks of life and they all have one thing in common so far. And that is that they agree that education is damn important. Uh, but I had a really good interview with someone recently who 
said um, that in his opinion, education is expensive, but learning is cheap. And it's quite a good, I, I like mm. that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think you'll mind me sort of ripping that off, but uh, it, it's, I think it's true. We can, we can spend a lot of time and money. And I think when we talk about education being expensive, we can mean quite literally with uni fees or a private school system, yeah. but we can also mean in terms of, you know, it, it, there, there is an expense, a human expense, people's time, but learning shouldn't be, you know, learning should be free. Well, John, thank you very much for being a guest on my pod. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed yeah, definitely. visiting thank the you. past. Now, where, where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast or indeed find any of your work? Uh, yeah, well, um, if you so John Richter is my name. Uh, John is J-O-N. Richter is R-I-C-H-T-E-R. So if you search for that name, you'll find my website. You'll find all my books on Amazon. Um, my most recent book, as you mentioned, is called Rabbit Hole, which has been my most well-received and successful. So that's the that's the entry point. And if you like that one, you can buy all the more weird other ones <laughs> that are out there too. And I've got another book coming out a bit later this year, probably around about June, that'll be a, a bit of a kind of techno thriller. Um, so watch this space. Um, the podcast, as you mentioned, is called Dark Matter. Um, the pun title is is definitely the best thing about the show. Um, other than that, it's all downhill from there. It's just me and my mate Liam talking about um, our favourite works of dark fiction. Uh, and we have guests on from time to time. Um, so we'd love to have you on as a guest at your at your leisure. You'll be very welcome. Thank you. I'm not um, I'm not sure I'm ready for the uh, for the hall of pain just yet, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Um, and you, so you can find um, me on Twitter. I'm at Richter Writes, or you can find the podcast. If on you wish to support the pod, you can find me on Twitter at Schoolies Pod, kind of or just search right in the Schoolies. And Thank you very much. Same for Instagram, Cheers, right in the Schoolies, under the name Mr. Much. James. Your homework is, of course, as ever, to give me some lovely reviews and some nice feedback. If you know of anybody who you think would want to be on our pod, be they well known or lesser well-known, but you think that they have some good stories to tell, then get in touch on my social media. Class dismissed.